Hello folks, welcome back to the RLS podcast. We are on episode 83 and um, we're here with a with an Englishman. It's very rare we'll have an Englishman on this podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, someone I've, I think we, we maybe planned this a while back now. I think I'd asked you a while back and then we eventually kind of got to the point where we were going to do it. And um, yeah, mate, I, I, in fairness, I still I don't actually know you that well. I think we had one night in Glasgow where we chatted a bit, but I still don't know you that well. So it's going to be a little bit of like kind of getting to know you about bit about your background and kind of what you do. Um, and also it's going to be useful because we both kind of work with the same kind of client. Um, so yeah, mate, how are you? How are you getting on? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. And uh, it's funny you say that. I was talking to someone earlier and I said, uh, I'm going to be jumping on a podcast. I said, but the thing is, I'm with a Scotsman. So it's going to be uh, very different. Yeah, mate, I think the other way around is actually sometimes quite hard to understand what I'm saying, but I, I never have an issue with what you're saying. It's quite a, quite a crisp accent. Nah, to be fair, your accent ain't too strong, so that's not too bad. Yeah, when you go a bit further south down to Glasgow, it changes a little bit. <laughs> that's it, that's it. But yeah, literally, I remember um, it was my first HPC event. And uh, to be honest, I followed you on social media before before we'd even gone there. Um, and I just remember having a chat and then literally you come across it exactly as you do on social media. So I was like, what a legend, top bloke. Yeah, that's a bonus, mate. Not, not everyone does. <laughs> no, nah, that's it, that's it. But uh, yeah, mate, look, I suppose the first question is like, who are you? Where are you from? What age are you? Like a little bit of a dating profile. <laughs> oh, I'll go. So um, my name's Danny Norton. Start off with that one. Uh, I'm an online coach, PT. Um, 26, based in Essex. Probably you can tell by the accent. It's absolutely horrendous. Um, I've literally played football my whole life since I can remember. Um, sort of fell into becoming a PT as well. Tried every job, labourer, um, air-conditioned apprentice, postman. Absolutely love being a postman. Unbelievable job. Um, but just sort of knew I wanted to go into a different a different role, something that I enjoyed more um, and more of a career as much as I love being it. Um, love having a giggle with the lads on, on football at the weekend. Uh, got a missus who's absolutely unbelievable as well. Puts up with my shit, so so that's a that's a bonus. Um, and that's it really to be honest. I'm pretty pretty straightforward, pretty normal. Just love chilling out, love relaxing, um, and that is that is me really down to a T. Yeah, mate. So when did you actually start your coaching like career, PT career? So I think I was probably about seven eight years ago now. I started um, my my coaching career. Um, and it was literally, I was just at a wedding, got talking to someone, told him like what I wanted to do and sort of where I was at and he just take the jump. So then literally ne next week, paid for the course, got it booked and that's how I sort of fell into it. Um, worked, started off self-employed, uh, no, sorry, started off employed and then, yeah, just sort of uh, grew the business to, to where it's at now and hopefully it keeps growing. Yeah, classmate. And has it always been footballers that you've worked with or were you just kind of like like everyone at the start? No, nah, 100%. Like, I've, I, it's weird because I always wanted to to have some involvement in sport. Um, but when I started out, I was literally just desperate to get clients through the door. So I was just gem pop, 60-year-olds, um, 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds, blokes, women, um, whatever whatever I could take on at first. It was literally just any Tom, Dick and Harry. And to be honest with you, I absolutely loved it. Like you get, you learn so much from all these different people, all these different walks of life. So it actually helps me now with with what I do because you understand all the different job roles that people have, all the different life stresses people go through. Um, so I don't don't regret that one bit. 
Yeah, hundred percent, mate. I think it serves you pretty well because if you just like work with like twenty to twenty, well to thirty year olds your whole career, then you get a bit of a shock of someone that's like a little bit older, maybe has kids comes in, and uh, yeah, their their stresses and problems are a little bit more different than a twenty twenty one year old footballer. Um, but that's the next question, mate. I suppose is like where where did the football career start? Like right right from the start. Right from the start, of course. So I have literally played football my whole life. Like my earliest memory is me kicking the ball from a kid. That is literally all I've ever done. Um, started off at Sawbridgeworth, which is literally 10 minutes down the road from me. Absolutely love playing there. Um, and then, yeah, just literally every summer, my mum and dad used to just kick me out to the uh, to the summer camps. I don't know if you have them in Scotland, but literally it's just loads of lads getting together and having a kick around, basically. Um and then that's sort of like where I started taking it more seriously. So after one of them, I ended up like winning the the competition. Um, and then like I had someone come up to me and he was like, oh, um, we'd like to scout you. And I remember just thinking like, oh, I've heard this before. You hear it all the time. Um, and I ended up then getting a trial at Tottenham uh, in the development squad. So I wasn't actually the academy at the time. And I actually failed to get into the development squad first of all. Obviously, I was absolutely devastated. Then... Uh, probably the year after, same again, end up winning it the year after, got a trial and development squad, got in this time, and I was literally there for a matter of weeks. Went on to uh, do a six-weeks trial for the academy, end up getting in straight away, which is obviously absolutely unbelievable. Ended up spending the next eight eight or nine years um, literally playing for, for Tottenham Academy, which is probably my, my biggest or one of my biggest achievements yet in football. Absolutely loved it. And when I was there... Um, I was just starting to build out the, the new stadium, the new training ground and stuff like that. And I said to my old man, that is my dream just to just to get to the new training ground. And that was my last ever year there. So unfortunately, got released when I was 16. Um, and then it sort of went downhill from there, to be honest with you. So I uh, that's where I dropped out into non-league. I had a few trials at different clubs, but unfortunately, um, I went on trial at Ipswich. My next trial was at Derby and I broke my leg literally about five, five, ten minutes into the, into the trial game. I tried to carry on because um, obviously adrenaline, just desperate to, to keep the dream alive, didn't really work out. And then literally from, from that, had an operation on my leg. I was out for about nine months recovering. I rushed it back a couple of times, kept getting like ligament damage in my ankles and stuff like that. And then from there, um, sort of just fell, fell into a non-league. Like I was still trying to ring up pro clubs, but no one was literally interested, not even getting answers back or anything like that. Um and then, yeah, to be honest, it's literally just been non-league ever since. Literally working my way up, changing clubs. It's been, it's been a whirlwind of uh, of emotions throughout the whole whole career. To be honest with you, yeah, unreal, mate. And I think it's quite a quite a common trend with a, a lot of guys at that age, like getting like dropped off with one of these like big clubs, and then not really kind of knowing where to go after it. And I don't know, mate. Here's a question for you: Do you think that because you had that injury at that age, and because you obviously kind of maybe the nicest way possible, kind of it went downhill, I'm using your words. Um, do you think that's maybe why you like working with footballers now and helping them through some of these kind of struggles um, that they might have at that age? Mate, 100%. So the biggest thing for me was like when I got released from Spurs, that was that was my whole life. I didn't see life after Spurs. Like my mental health for the next five years was shot to bits because of it, because I didn't see anything happening after Spurs. I thought that was just going to be it. So for me now... It's obviously taken me five, ten years afterwards to understand the emotions that go into it and how much sport and football as a whole is such a mental battle. Um, and I just felt like it's very different nowadays. But when I got released, 
you're literally just left on your own. It is the loneliest place in the world and football can be at times. So I understand that side to football as well. Um, and that was, yeah, that was part of it. Like I understand that, that there's a lot of mental health struggles with confidence and also sometimes you, you know, you want to push yourself, but it's like, how do I get to that next level? How do I get back to where I was? So it's then just having someone there to support and guide you along the way. Um, so yeah, that was sort of another reason why I chose going with non-league athletes in the end. Yeah, I mean, it's a massive identity thing. Like when you've got someone that's been professional or been in like a, a youth set up until the age of like whatever, 16, 17, 18, 19, that's like, that's their life. That's who they are. Like I'm a pro youth football player. And then when they aren't that, it's like, what the fuck am I? You ask, I remember even, I was at nowhere near the same level as you. And even I was still asking myself that question. I was like, who, who the fuck am I? And they're like, I'm not like a, a gardener or a, or a laborer. Like I'm meant to be a footballer. But when you lose that, you, you take so as a guy that at that age you take so long to figure out who you actually are and I suppose that's kind of what you were referring to when you've maybe done all these different jobs afterwards that that was literally it so I, I remember when I started like getting all these different jobs and I remember one bloke just hammering me like mate you're not a footballer like you're working for me now and I couldn't I couldn't could not get my head around it I was like no no I'm still a footballer um and obviously yeah, the older you get you start realizing that the dream's further and further away and you start to understand there's so much more to life than, than football. Like, don't get me wrong. I still love it more than anyone. Um, still passionate about it. Still want to play it every day. But it just comes a time where you have to actually look at it and go, right, that's not me actually as a person. Like, there's more to me than that. Like, I'm, I'm a family man. I'm a friend. Um, I'm not just a PT. I don't, like, put my whole value on one aspect of my life. Whereas before, football was my whole life. And that's the only way I saw myself. And when I got released... My biggest fear was people looking at me differently, judging me differently. Um, so yeah, that was that was a big thing. The uh, the identity change and trying to get over that. Yeah, that's huge, man. I've spoken to quite a few people about that, and it's uh, it's not really something that's been at the forefront of the conversation for a long time. But I think it's it's better now. A lot of people have a lot more support with that sort of stuff. Um, so I suppose the next question for me was, and this is something that confuses a Scotsman every single time they ask about it, is like the non-league structure. In England, like there's a similar structure in Scotland, but I said it's, I think it goes, I don't know, it's maybe not as big. So, like, where I suppose, like, the last team that you played for, obviously, like, you're coaching non league athletes, like, where does that sit in the pyramid? Because it confuses uh, me. So, basically, so you've got the, the pinnacle is like the, the conference prem, you've then got the conference south and north. So, that's uh, split into two sections, that's like step two. You've then got step three, which is like four different leagues at step three. And then it just peters down um, and then it just goes regional as well. So it is quite confusing. Um, the highest I've played so far is step three. Um, still a pretty decent standard. A lot of travelling when you start when you start going up higher as well. It's yeah, it's quite straightforward, to be honest, but it's probably you need to see it in a, in a picture to get a better understanding how it works. But the pinnacle of non-league for us is, um, I'd probably say like the conference prem, but even then, Majority of teams in the conference prem are full time now, so you're probably looking at conference south, conference conference north, north. Sorry, is the uh, is the pinnacle as well. And so, does the pyramid work in the same way, whereby like if you have the backing and finances, you can literally just climb all the way up there as far as you want to go? Yeah, exactly that. You see it all the time in the teams just throw money at it for like one or two seasons just to just to to work their way up. If it doesn't work out, budgets get cut. It is probably the most carnage and um, yeah, mental sport in the world because it's just all over the place. It's so cutthroat. Um, 
And yeah, you, you can get relegated, you can get back-to-back relegations, you get double promotions, like a team called Avely, absolutely flying. They've got two back-to-back promotions. They're now in, in the um, in the conference south, I believe, and they're sitting fourth or fifth in the conference south, which is unbelievable. Um, so yeah, it's, it's doable, but you do need the resources to, to back you as well. Yeah, I think my recent experience of non-league in England has been watching a bunch of amateurs on YouTube after being exposed to that Mark White podcast, that's that's kind of what I, my introduction to it. Uh, honestly, if you have, if you haven't watched it or anyone listening hasn't listened to the podcast Under the Cosh with Mark White, is an absolute game changer because for me that's that's proper football. Um, it's like it's just old school. It's no slow flake. It's to the point. It's brutal. It's honest, and it's the it's the it's the honest truth about everything. Whether whether you're a young lad at football, whether you've been in the, in the game for absolute years. It, he just sums it up to an absolute T. And yeah, same same as you, mate. I always listen to, to the bunch of amateurs, even when it's just the short little clips and stuff like that. Because for me, like when I look at growing up, it's about playing with your mates, going in the dressing room, having banter, not taking offence when someone's hammering you, walking in the dressing room, smelling that, smelling the deep heat, smelling, smelling salts, if you don't know, you need to get to know. All, all of these sort of things is, for me, is proper football. And, and nowadays, you don't get to see that side to it. It's all, all the pretty side, all the highlight reels on Instagram. Um, you don't see the nitty-gritty part of it. Yeah, no, I love that, mate. I, th- I think it kind of reminds me of like when I was like 17, 18, at my first kind of like like youth setup that I'd went to, like under-19s thing, and just like some of the things that used to get said to you, just like you wouldn't like repeat them to like a 16, 17-year-old nowadays because they'd fucking curl up into a little ball and cry. Um, it's, it's the making of you. It makes you a bit more of like a, it makes you more thick-skinned when you're actually into like the latter years of your career, like what, 26 now? Like you can't, there's nothing you could say to me to fucking upset me now. And that is, that is literally it. Like sometimes you walk into dressing rooms nowadays and you're scared to say anything because you think someone's going to take offence to it. Whereas I remember being 16, 17, walking to a men's dressing room, just getting absolutely hammered about anything and everything. And you just have to chin it. And if you don't chin it, then you're getting hammered even more. So it's just like it or lump it. And like you said, it does make you fit skinned and it helps you with all, all aspects of life. Like it's not just football because the, the thicker skin you've got, the more more problems you can deal with away from, from life, whether it's business, whether it's personal, whether it's business, um, finances whatever it is you deal with all those stresses just from getting hammered and dressed room with the lads dog eat dog that is it um yeah so mate in terms of your kind of gig with your coaching and the guys that you pt uh what's what sort of levels do those guys kind of differ from like non-league um, through to a bit higher yeah so i had a couple of lads in pre-season um with me that are professional. So one's at uh, Portsmouth, one's at Wigan. He was at Arsenal. Um, and there was another lad that I had at Portsmouth as well. Um, but the majority of people range from step five and then up to currently at the moment, I've got someone who's actually in the conference prem as well. Um, so it literally does vary between the, the whole pyramid from, from top to bottom, to be fair. And to be honest with you, a lot of them, whether even the pros have the same struggles as the people at step five. Now, it's it's actually ridiculous when you think like pros still struggle with nutrition, structure, routine, anything like that. So yeah, any anywhere from majority step five to step one, but there is a couple of pros involved as well. Yeah. So I suppose the next question is like, what what are those challenges? If you can kind of like almost whittle it down to 
like three or four different challenges that you see like time and time again? I would say number one more recently would be just following TikTok, Instagram uh, workout sessions that they see for like professional athletes. That's like a real pet hate of mine. Um, even, even for the pros, you need to get the foundations right first before you can start doing these banded squats and anything like that. Just stick to keep it silly simple. It is straightforward as that. That's what's going to get your results. And once you've got the foundations there, you can then build upon it. But if you haven't got them, then you're just wasting your time, energy and effort along it. So that's probably the biggest thing. Um, the second one would be poor nutritional habits just because they haven't got someone watching over them all the time. Now, when you're in a professional environment or even a semi-professional environment, more so in semi-professional, the food and drink that you get after, normally it's beers after a game, pizza and stuff like that, which is absolutely fine if you're having it straight after. But then most people then go home and have a curry, smash 10 pints, um, and then just expect to perform exactly the same they did on the Saturday on a Tuesday night with, with no impact on that whatsoever. Um, and then I'd probably say the third one, structure and routine. Non-league athletes suffer with that massively. They always feel super busy. They get super stressed. They're trying to juggle their, their work life, their social life, everything around their football. Now, no one wants to give up football. So it's how do you fit everything in? And a lot of the time it's just they don't have no structure or routine to their days and just winging life. Yeah, man, I think I think those three all they tie in quite nicely together as well because I think people when they don't feel like they've got that time and structure and I don't have enough time to go to the gym, I don't have enough time to prep my meals. It's like when you actually think about it, if you create that little bit of time to start off with to do those things, then it's almost like magic. Some extra time starts popping up because it's not just it's not just time, it's energy as well that you actually need to do these extra things because you'll be finishing training and you'll be like, fuck, I'm absolutely knackered on my way to bed whereby you could take 10, 15 minutes to just go, I'm going to prepare that meal for the next day, save time in the future rather than trying to spend it in the now, if that makes sense. That, that is literally it. And, and the thing is as well is like with a lot of people, you end up losing motivation because you're not doing the right things. And then you hear it all the time, oh, I've got no motivation to do this, I've got no motivation to do that. What about if you just done it in the first place and then the motivation will come along further down the line where if, if you're just relying on it, it's not going to come and hit you up on the nose what, like all of a sudden. It, it, you have to build the confidence that you're you're doing the right things and that's where the motivation is going to come from. Yeah, man. It's, I think I've, I've heard it through every kind of team that I've ever played with and I suppose I, I was guilty of this in the past as well because I didn't have the right things in place. But like you arrive to training on a Monday or Tuesday and you've got guys walking in like fucking, like the Tin Man still going, oh, I'm absolutely knackered from the weekend. And it's like, knock-on effect you then get injured on the Wednesday or they're not quite ready for the next Saturday and when you introduce something really simple like a simple strength program a simple little nutrition kind of guidance um and some just simple habits drink a bit more water get some creatine in you they come back and they're like holy fuck like I'm actually feeling all right on Sunday now like I'm feeling good to go and it's it's like by magic but it is just the simple things that you introduce that make the massive difference that is literally it. It doesn't even need to be like a drastic lifestyle change to start off with. As you said there, just touch on like hydration, a little bit of creatine, a good solid like strength program. It doesn't even have to be four or five times a week, just twice a week. Getting getting the ball rolling is what's going to get people feeling good about themselves, preventing injuries and getting themselves in better shape as well. That's what most people want. They want to feel good and look good. Yeah. And uh, I suppose, mate, here's like the like bonus question. is If you've got like a guy coming in 
like a non-league athlete and he's like not been doing any training in the gym like what where do you start with the athlete they've not been doing any training not really been looking at nutrition where do you actually start like wh- where do the basics start so for me it's about we we jump on what's called like a game plan call so on the game plan call we'll run through everything about them so what their what their hobbies are what their day-to-day lo- life looks like have they got any current standards boundaries anything like that and if someone's literally just brand new right have you got any gym equipment available to you do you want to work out from home do you want to work in work out in a gym and then from those two things we'll just go right how many how much time can you commit a week to training so they might just say two hours so we can either break that down to 30 45 minute sessions or we'll just go two one hour sessions and then from there i would usually start off with a full body program split just so it's easing people in they're working obviously their legs, their upper body, they can get a little bit of power and explosiveness in there as well. Um, and it's just literally working them from, from the ground up rather than just saying someone, right, you need to be training three or four times a week. You need to be doing push-pull legs or you need to be doing uppers, lowers. It is literally just stripping everything back to basics. And then nutrition-wise, I get people tracking and logging their food, um, which whatever you see on social media, for me, that is the absolute game changer because you can look at what's on your plate. You might think it's healthy, but then the total calories is a lot higher than what you think. There's other times where you you might get to a weekend, you think, oh, do you know what? I've just played 90 minutes of football. I can smash a curry. But then it gives you that second thing of, oh, do I really want to waste 2,000 calories on a curry and then wake up feeling dreadful the next day? Um, and look, we still allow our, like, our clients and they still get results by having takeaways, having a few drinks. But when you're tracking your food and you, you're seeing what you're having, it makes you more conscious and more aware of everything that you're everything that you're doing. Yeah, 100%, mate. And I think the main thing that I was kind of trying to get out of that was that like it's nothing, it's not crazy. It's like going back to what you said about the TikTok workouts. Like you look at this guy doing some like banded plyometrics, fucking back, backflips in his back garden it's like that you don't need to be doing that like it's just simple like two 45 minutes two one hours like everyone in in a real world can dedicate two hours a week to just doing a strength program um and that's where you're going to get the most bang for your buck just uh what was a way to say there like like minimal dose to start off with most effective minimal dose that you can get and yeah it's just like magic you start feeling better over time um i just i've done it with so many guys over the past few years like it's just they do think it's like oh this is like the best program in the world. It's like nah, it's just you've just started. That 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 is literally it. You've you've hit the nail on the head again. Like I'm probably going to keep saying it on the on this podcast, but so many people just want that that magic pill or the perfect workout. But just get started. It is as simple as that. And once you get started, you then get the buzz, and then you can start delving into deeper. But as a as Revo always says to us, you don't need to know until you need to know. And there's no point worrying about shit that's further down the line when you're not even getting started in the first place. So yeah, and anyone can commit to two hours a week and it doesn't have to be anything major. Don't need to be doing these mental workouts. Don't have to beast yourself so you struggle to get up for work the next day. It's just getting you getting you started, getting the ball rolling. Yeah. Um, I just Something just came to my head there as well. It was something that you'd posted that must have only been a couple of weeks ago. I was referring to the amount of minutes that you're actually on the ball during a game. I don't know if you remember the statistic exactly, do you? Yes, 87 minutes, I believe it was. So 87 minutes um, you spend without the ball. 
And that's that's at the top level as well. So that's at the pros. It's only three minutes for the pros where they spend the time on the ball. So if you think in lower levels, the pitch, I don't know if you've got VO and you watch your games back or anything like that, but you spend half your time pressing skip in 10 seconds because someone's taking 40 minutes to, to take a throw on. Um, so it's probably even less the amount of time that we spend on the ball in the lower leagues. So when people say to me like, oh, yeah, but technically I'm unbelievable. Well, what are you doing for the other 87 minutes? Yeah, that's that's the way that I feel as well, mate. Like I'm by far technically gifted on a, on a football, head it, kick it as a centre half. That's kind of what I do all game. Like I've seen some games where I've played under 10 passes and we've maybe, I've maybe still played well, I've maybe still been effective. I know for a fact that if I'm physically fit, can move, can change direction, can jump, can be pretty strong in the tackle, that I'm I'm usually going to do all right. And then I add the technical stuff alongside that. And then, yeah, okay, I look like a little bit of a nicer player if I do that. But there's so many players that aren't ready for the fucking slog. They aren't ready for the battle. On our level of football, there's a lot of that. There's no doubt about it. There's a lot of fucking let's just go and head it, kick it, tackle each other. Um, and, yeah, you can be the nicest looking player in the world. You can have the best touch. But if you can't do that side of the game and you're gassed after two sprints, you become pretty fucking useless. No, same same again. Like for me, I, I'm a runner. That is me down to a T. I can run all day. And I always remember one of the, the gaffers that I used to play under. So if you're having a stinker, run yourself into the game. And it is so true. You'll even see a clip, I think I see it on Twitter probably two, three years ago, of Gareth Bell telling Brennan Johnson for Wales, like, I know it's tough. You just got to fucking keep going. And that's coming from Gareth Bell. Unbelievable player. Like probably one of the best players to ever play. And he's telling someone else they've got to run, they've just got to do it. And then you get players in lower leagues nowadays and they just think, nah, do you know what? Like, technically I'm a joker, I'm, I'm a number 10, like, I'm not that sort of player. Don't work like that, I'm afraid, especially if you want to progress through the leagues. Gaffers will soon find you out. Yeah, that's it, mate. It's, it's, it's so frustrating. Like, so many players, such good technical ability, but they just aren't willing to move, aren't willing to just like tackle and just be a dog for a part of the game. Um, and that can, well, what we're talking about here with the nutritional side of things, with the sleep, with the training, that can be the difference where you don't feel gassed after two runs. You feel like, oh, I can actually keep moving on this muddy park, like I'm feeling good. Um, so it's, you can take a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. You can tell them about these sort of things, but you can't make them do it unless they really want to do it. Um, and funnily enough, that can just be the difference where like someone does something like this. And again, I'm not blowing smoke up my own arse, but there's so many times where, like someone's come in and done something like this, been technically good, they've made this little change. And it's like, funnily enough, after one or two seasons, you see them then drifting off into the higher leagues. And it's like, it's no surprise that that's happened because that's what you were missing. Yeah, exactly. You've, you've hit that on the head again. Yeah. So, 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 so true. So, mate, I think the next thing is, and this is probably like one of the biggest challenges around like non-league and I suppose like in my kind of neck of the woods it's like it's called junior football junior football or like lowland league highland league up here um is the I suppose it happens at the pro level as well just slightly less now it's like the drinking the going out the the kind of feeling fucked every Sunday Monday going back into football training how, how does that affect kind of the guys around your level um so to be fair we've got some absolute cannons that I've played with before that can just like just turn up no matter what and they just deal with it. But like, they're just different breed. But the majority of people that I speak to nowadays, they, they just can't hack it. They think they can, but then their performances drop. They pick up niggly injuries. 
And for me, it's not even just about like performance on the pitch, but you just end up wasting days afterwards. You wake up on the Sunday, you're hungover, you end up eating crap, staying in bed, getting a delivery, Uber Eats. Then all of a sudden you've wasted Sunday. You wake up Monday, you're dreading work, can't be bothered, drags into Monday. All of a sudden it's Tuesday and you're like, shit, I've got a game tonight. I've got, got to pull myself together. And then they're probably then smashing Red Bulls, Monsters, whatever it is just to get themselves up for it. Um, and like the, the amount of injuries you'll see from people where they've just been on the lash all, all weekend and then turn up on a Tuesday and they've not 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 recovered properly between. Um, and it just affects your mood. You feel lethargic, run down, unproductive. So yeah, it's a, it's a weird one because the culture over here is absolutely get on the lash, win or lose on the booze. Yeah. But for me, I think it's just in moderation. Like I'm all for it, but if it's affecting you not away, not just your performances, but away from from football as well, there's a point where you have got to look at it and go right. What do I need to do to to start performing properly, and what am I willing to sacrifice to get the results that I want? Yeah, not like that. Exactly the same. Like I'm all for it, and like it would be a pretty sad existence if your football team never had a night out the whole season. Um, I don't think you'd have the same kind of culture, and you wouldn't have the same fucking laugh that you usually do. Um, but as you say, like if a player can indicate the fact that they're getting injured at training or the first game of the week, if they've got a midweeker and it keeps happening and they feel fatigued at 70, 60, 70 minutes, then you've got to begin to put the pieces of the jigsaw together and understand, okay, that could be the reason. you got to pick and choose your battles, pick and choose when you go hard, pick and choose when you you maybe just take yourself up the road after a couple. Easier said than yeah. No, it, it is easier said than done. But for me, like I'm all in or nothing. So I don't really, I'm not a big drinker because when I do, I get too excited, especially on team nights out. It's just total carnage and it never ends well. I'm either sick or in an absolute pickle that I can barely remember it anyway. So for me, it takes me two, three days to recover. And I know people that do that every weekend. And I'm like, how? How is that even possible? So yeah, like you said, just pick, pick your battles and learn to say no. If, it, if it's a pointless occasion, then just say no sometimes. You'd be better off for it. Yeah, that's, uh, there's a few of these outliers that are able to do it like week in, week out, like spend the night in jail on Saturday night, wake up on the Sunday and they're back at training on Monday like nothing's even fucking happened. Oh, um, I've played I'm with a few of them before. Nah, nah, I'm not, but I've played with a few of them before. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, mate, next thing I want to ask you was about like future plans. Um, I think you said you were maybe going to Australia. Yes, so we are, me and the missus, we're going Australia uh, in the, well, end of jam. We're going to do eight weeks and yeah, I don't know how she's going to part with me for eight weeks. She is an unbelievable woman for doing that. Um, but yeah, we're going to do the whole East Coast and we're going mid-season, which I'm not a fan of doing, but needs must. If I don't do it now, I never will. Um, so yeah, that's that's the, the the closest plan that I've got. Like We both love travelling. Um, and she, it's like going away with my best mate. Like she's a good crack as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm well looking forward to that. Nice mate. Where are you starting? Where are you starting off? Uh, so we go Singapore. We're going to do Singapore for three nights just to break up the flight. From Singapore, we're going to go to I believe Sydney. Sydney all the way up to Cairns. Uh, from Cairns, fly back down to Melbourne. Do I think four or five nights in Melbourne, and then we're going to break up the flight on the way back and do Dubai. If we've got any money left, hopefully we'll be able to enjoy the buy. If not, we'll be staying in the hotel room. Yeah, no, that's nice, mate. That'll be uh, that'll be absolutely class. Last question, bonus question. Yes. Um, how right was I about Ange Postacoglu? 
you was absolutely bang on the money. So I remember when this, to be honest, me and the old man were like, what are we doing going in for him? Like, no offense to Celtic, but we was like, come on, like Celtic, Jesus Christ. Um, and then I got a message off of you and then give me a little bit of confidence, but he has been unbelievable. Like Angeball has got everyone absolutely buzzing again. Style of football is unbelievable. Um, and pretty much like Levy said in that interview, like we've got, we've got our Tottenham back. Um, just good to say, I don't think we're good enough to win a league. We need a lot of signings to do it. We need no injuries, but just nice to see everyone flapping. Everyone's panicking. Yeah. Everyone's got spurs on their lips again. It's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, it's it's nice to see me. Like I'll just be a Ange fan for wherever he goes, even if it is Spurs. Um, and he's it's just amazing. Like I'm watching players like Emerson Royale and fucking Hoiberg and that, and it's like, how has he managed to get these kind of guys to go and play that system and make it look good? It's just like with an additional like three, four players chucked in there, quality into the positions that you need to fill, it's going to be a scary prospect. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, well, I've seen loads of interviews where people say about Ange being like the best man motivator, um, does the best like motivational speeches and stuff like that. And it just shows you like football as a whole is just such a mental battle. And if you win the battle, you're going to be flying on a Saturday. So if you can get that right, then you've pretty much 80% of the game, game sorted for you. Um, but yeah, it's it's so so enjoyable and yeah, fair play because you was you was bang on the money with that one as well. Yeah, had no doubts about the big man. Um, but yeah, mate, I suppose that takes us to the end. Um, where can uh, where can people find you on like Instagram or Facebook, whatever it is that you're using? Instagram is the easiest place to find me. So um, either type in non league athlete program or Danny C Norton N O R T O N. Um, easiest place to find me but just quickly before we go I want to ask you about your league so you used to call it juniors because I was confused yeah. about that whenever I see it in yours you always say about juniors so run me through that oh mate so you're go if you're going right to the top Celtic Rangers SPL then you go down championship league two league one and then you've got the Highland League and the Lowland League they play a playoff against the bottom team in league two to see who can get up there. So that's like a two-legged playoff, which is hard enough to get into anyway. And then you go yeah. below that, and then there's like east of Scotland, west of Scotland, which I think it breaks down. I'm, I'm not actually too sure. It breaks down into like a good few leagues. And then you go below that. That's the juniors. And that's kind of like, for us, that's like a 30-mile a radius of where we live. Um, yeah. And to get out of this league, you need to have certain facilities you need to have like a stand you need to pass a certain level i'm sure you've got to have a bit of cash behind you and then you can apply to go into one of those like um highland league lowland league type things it's it's, it's reasonably confusing um a lot of i still don't know and i literally play in the league so and then below that you've obviously got like your amateur league and stuff like that and public um so it's, yeah. like, it's a reasonable level you've got some players that drop down from like the professional game and they'll end up playing in this league um but yeah it's a decent standard nothing to, nothing you'd want to come and watch on a Saturday. <laughs> nah, that's it. That's it. It's probably most levels up until you get to a probably about step three. To be fair, sometimes it is the best football to watch. Though it's just like a couple of shit houses just like headering each other. Yeah, now nah, well, I've played with a few of them as well. James Thomas, best one I've ever played with. Biggest shit house ever. Legend. Yeah, love it, mate. <laughs> but uh, yeah, mate, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure to catch up with you and get a chat. No, thank you very much for having me on. Been a pleasure. And uh, if I ever get my own podcast, I'll have to get you on as well, find more about you. Make it happen, mate. Top man.